Okay, so we ready to go? We're ready to go. Uh, the, the recording has been running for 24 minutes exactly, so... <laughs> That's quite a long preamble. <laughs> Just remember to edit that out. Okay. Welcome to Rush Hour with Rush and OGFX. Welcome back, everyone. It's Rush Hour. It's Tuesday. Round 36 is over. And it's now confirmed that Forest Haven still won't be fixed in time for round 37. Just proving too complicated a building for the GPC to wrap their heads around. I'm here as usual with the man with the voice, AGFX. What's happening, man? Oh, it's very fine. Uh, Of course, uh, work is busy. Uh, playing a lot of bass because I have to practice for my concert in the twin. Actually, exactly a month from now. And um, yeah. is, that, is that is that where you're supporting Justin Bieber? Yeah, it's that one. Yeah, actually, uh, I'm part of the the dance group. Really, uh, I just pretend to play <laughs> bass. <Yeah. laughs> That's something to look forward to. Yeah, we'll have to see if we can get some tickets in the the Toothy merch store for that. One. Oh yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll wear the Toothy merch for that. Then he can sell more. It would stuff. it would really help to kickstart the store. I think if you were on stage with Justin Bieber wearing Toothy merch. If in fact if you can get that cocoon that he's been posting, you know the the hammock thing yeah. that he's just made, <laughs> go out dressed in that. You yeah. would be it would fly off the shelves. I don't know. It, it would be a, a challenge to do pole dancing with a uh, with that hammock on, but I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so joining us this week is the champion of black ops for round 36 and no it is not chronal this round oh it's the leader of yeah it's the leader of realm 10 uh who were a chaotic menace this last round so welcome to the podcast volvendies howdy 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 and our second guest this week because we have two is uh one half of the dynamic duo from real talk it's rio welcome to rush hour yeah, thanks, guys. It's uh, it's nice to be on this side of the studio for a change. <laughs> yeah, how do you yeah. like our studio? <laughs> You've done a lot. I, I didn't realize we were giving you that much budget. <laughs> <laughs> it must be kind of nice for you to finally be able to listen to a podcast that you're not always on. It's definitely yeah, l- less preparation for this and uh, yeah, l- l- less pressure. So uh, we'll wait, wait a minute. You're telling me you guys you're telling me you guys prepare for real talk. Uh, at least a couple of minutes beforehand. Yep. Yeah, there's right. the, there's the whole uh, sponsored by bit, right? That must take a lot, yeah, of, that, lot of time. Uh, that, that's all the preparation we do. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that that was it indeed. So yeah. So we're gonna yeah we're gonna get into the rankings. Uh, we've got uh, two new sets of rankings to go through. We've got the real ranks, the original, uh, and we've also got the relatively new rush ranks, which AGFX has created entirely I, I have nothing to do with them i swear uh, <laughs> and I, it just slaps my name on them i do none of the work and get all of the glory that is so, not, um, yeah, that is well well well, uh, well one thing actually <laughs> we are on the version two of the rankings uh maybe good to note that the they were weighted somewhat differently and uh, that was based on a discussion in the blobs network uh, with a lot of bloppers and sort of talking about what the relative weighting should be and uh, again, of course, uh, I leave all the final decisions to Rush. So that's why they're still, to me, called the Rush rankings. Yeah, 
and that's why there's probably some mistakes that we'll still have to correct for a few versions yet. But it's an evolving ranking system. I'm sure, Rio, you probably went through the same thing when you created the Rio rankings. I'm sure it's been through various iterations with different formulas and different weightings. Yeah, exactly. You kind of you have a like the initial concept that you're really going to go in for, and then you look at things that didn't quite look right. You make your tweaks, and then when you share it, other people have got their own ideas that they kind of layer on top. And uh, yeah, this is probably like version version twelve or something for me. And have you changed anything recently? So yeah, so there's a recent change that somebody um, talks about, which is where I've updated the hits of the day. So it now has a top three hits of the day, and I think I adjusted slightly the the actual the winners for the Black Ops ranks titles as well. So those are still only the first place. Um, but I'm considering maybe bringing in like top three for certain Black Ops titles as well, just to kind of give other people something to shoot for. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to um, I don't want to squeeze you out of the market. There's, there's no monopoly when it comes to these rankings. <laughs> no, we're definitely not in competition with each other. They're quite two distinct. Uh, ranking systems which is you know i think quite good for the community yeah also that that actually was also um actually the the way uh, I, I set up the calculation for the rush rankings was also very much inspired by to be something that the real rankings were not right so the real rankings very much when i looked at them were very much give points to the top player um so sort of a you know uh, you get small chances to win big points and I therefore, actually, that's also what inspired me to choose for getting awarded for a broad spectrum of contribution. So they, yeah, the, so the real rankings actually made me, so I said, informed the way I did mine. Yeah, and I think that's the right way to do it. Um, we're definitely, there's different ways that you can play the game, and there's definitely different things that you target. So, so yeah, so the rankings I put together weighted extremely heavily to, you know, the top kind of the top finishes, and that's really what it's ranking. Yeah. Um, best finishes, so it's so it's quite good that that you've kind of gone completely, like almost like perpendicular to that, and yeah, exactly for the more spread. Yeah, exactly. So I and that's also why I thought that would, would, they would complement each other nicely. So yeah, before know, we get into, oh, oh sorry, go on. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I know as someone who, uh, I think I'm I'm like ninety second or something in the Rio rankings is not typically in real competition there it is nice to have this entirely different type of ranking to sort of shoot for and fight for and stuff. I think there, there's a tendency to forget that like a big portion of the player base is not going to be objectives. Yeah. And I think also it was, um, um, I th that was also what, what was in mind sort of the, um, also with discussions with Rush, actually, I mean, that's also one of the, the reasons they, they, they were thought up was to, um, I say it to put a spotlight on the people who tend to be uh, like a bit, a bit more out of the spotlight, right? The people who support, the people who do ops uh, will never really be the winners in that sense. But to also, uh, I say it um, to praise those who are in support of their realm. Yeah, the team players. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> okay, so before we get into Volventes and his uh, his story of his reigns. Um, I think we should probably take a look at the Rio rankings. And Rio, if you'd like to take us through some of the highlights, some of the, the main changes, uh, who's who are the up-and-comers and who are the sinkers, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I, I think it kind of goes, um, it's, it's not really a surprise, whenever the, the winner usually moves up a few spots. So the, the kind of the big changer is JC's moved up. 
Um, he's now up to third, just behind myself and, and, and Grossmeyer. Um, we've still got... See, I see Nate is still hanging in there, even though I don't... When was the last time he played? Do you know? <laughs> he's in fourth place, by the way. He's 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 he, he was number one for a while, but he has slowly sunk into fourth place. But I don't think he's played in like three or four rounds at least. Nice. If I'm just going to look back. So the way it works is that you, you do gradually slide back. So there's a bit of a recency bias, but because you get so many points um, for for a win or for kind of like a top three spot, it drops by, I think, seven and a half percent each each round. So you, you do gradually slide, but then you also kind of you bottom out as well. So, for instance, Garcia, all of his top scoring positions are actually from his wins that are all kind of like 10 rounds plus ago. So his score is not going to go any lower than it currently is um, because there is just a bit of um, like a legacy for, for people that have won rounds that that, that legacy I thought was still kind of important to, to, uh, to keep in there. And he showed in the last round, you know, he was playing as a solo player with, with a bunch of random railmates that he was still kind of like pretty, pretty significant in terms of how the round played out. So I think it does kind of show that even if you've not done really well for a while, you still have that capability. Interesting. So he he will never sink below 101.8 points. Exactly, yeah. So that's kind of locked in. And, and similarly, um, I think there's, there is a little variance in terms of even if you've won the same number of rounds as someone, your performance within that round does move, is, is slightly above or, or below each other. So mine... If uh, if I had never played again, I would actually sink slightly below that. I think I'd be around about ninety nine points, but then that would be the the bottom that that mine would kind of like bottom out at. All right. Uh, so that's kind of like the yeah. So that's a big thing. So JC JC moved up, I think seven spots, and everyone else in the top ten kind of slid down. Um, Mithra India was actually the other person who moved up. He was in the top twenty. I think he was nineteenth before. Now he's into ninth with the second place, and then the the next big mover. Who moved up from the 16th is actually yourself, Rush. So that kind of, I forget if you did you come fifth or sixth this round, something like that. Uh, I think it was seventh, and I think I, I think your weighting system must give you a lot of points for a seven k finish over a six k finish. Would that be correct? It's just he just just one extra point, I think. Um, but oh, well. <laughs> yeah, when when you are hitting those, that kind of like fifth sixth. It kind of works out that you get about double the points from finishing fifth to if you finish tenth, and again about double the points if you finish tenth to fifteenth. So the higher you get in, into that top ten, the the more points you you gain. Um, so yeah, so you've moved up um, seven spots into sixteenth, um, and then exactly go, go you, and then uh, Guy Doonster who finished third, I believe. I think he was the Murthok in in round three. As he was the lycanthrope and. Sorry, he was the lycanthrope in ten. All right, yeah. So he, yeah, so he came second, didn't he? So he's moved up twenty-four spots up into twenty-second. Um, yeah. So that guy, he was your, he was kind of your hopeful for winning the round at one point, I would guess, Wolf. He was our only shot, really. There was a period there in in the kind of middle of the round where the attackers had stalled each other, and there were a couple fast explorers, and he and like. Going up against a goblin as a lycanthrope explorer always feels a little like a losing proposition to me, but he was our shot. Yeah, well, you certainly took him into plenty of wars. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, several of, the, <clears throat> several of those were with the intent of helping him out, but, you know, it's debatable how effective. 
Well, I think with your your one of the wars with us, I think maybe it was the one where we went mutual. He was forced to bring in tons of ratios, which can't have uh, helped his speed very much. No, but we did get to hold the uh, Wayfarer's outpost for like three or four days during that mutual war. So that kind of counts. Right, yeah. yeah. What's also interesting <clears throat> is that in the rankings, also B went up by a massive 182 uh, positions. And he's a very recent player. I played with him. Uh, he's in place uh, 67. And I think the f- he I think he was an old Elvron player. And I think that oh, I was in Japan at the time. That was the last round. The one that the one that was around 35. So this must be his second round. And uh, he was already you know somewhat experienced there and came in with uh, with um, some other guys who I think the three of them uh, they had been. I think old Elvron and they came in, but you can really see it because the experience shows 182 going up. Yeah, well, I think having played Elvron gives them a slight advantage coming into a game like Open Dominion. I think Elvron was actually based on Open Dominion, or rather Dominion, back in the day. Has anybody here actually played it? Uh, not me. I'm guessing. No, I'm guessing no. no is the answer to that. Uh, I think I played one round of it just to see what it was like, and it was... Uh, it was it was somewhat similar, but it had obviously gone off in its own direction as well. Yeah. Actually, slightly yeah. proud of my own position. I got I went up eight, so I'm not at the two hundred. Like the I was exactly at two hundred. I went up eight spots, so yay! So I got actually three point eight whole points <laughs> compared to oh god, it's like I'm not gonna I'm gonna get, catch up with Rio sometime soon. It's a slow climb into that top zone. <laughs> we were uh, we were proud of you. You, you didn't get take any hits uh, this round, despite your best efforts with uh, forgetting spells every so often. <laughs> yes, I didn't. Actually, I was I I went quite mad on DP. Uh, but uh, I must say, this is all Zeddy's uh, work, right? I mean, he babysat me uh, for quite a lot, quite a while, and uh, and all you guys. Um, I think you helped me a lot and uh, helped me out because I think one of the things is that this time round my economy was a lot stronger. And I think that really helped. This this allowed me to help me pay for my DP. I should just warn you there, uh, AGs. Um, babysitting used to be a, a term used when people would share accounts with each other. And if you're away for a few days, you know, before the days of telephones or like mobile phones and smartphones, somebody would uh, illegally log into your account and, and keep it going. So, ah. so, so just careful with the term babysitting. Oh, interesting. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a bit of old uh, Open Dominion lore. I didn't know that. So yeah. So yeah, back in the days of... Yeah, so let's let's call it something else then. Uh, I don't know what to call it, but we'll see. Mentoring, <laughs> mentoring, yeah, mentoring, yeah. kicking ass, uh, yeah, yeah, cool. It sounds nice. <laughs> Indeed. Is there anything else that's uh, that's sort of notable to to the rear rankings currently? No, I think it's interesting you you brought up B because um, I was just looking and and he finished uh, I think eighth as a. Uh, as an attacker so it's quite it's always good when you see like newer players or you know returning players who not played or not had the experience for a while who do well um in attacking because that's that's obviously a little bit harder than than exploring into the top 10 mm-hmm. um so it just kind of shows they have picked up the game well or you know the people that they're playing with have like really kind of like helped them out well and or they just you know just naturally and have got the got the dynamics so that's quite interesting to see um, yeah. And there were a few other people who kind of like jumped up quite high in the ranks as well. Um, 
Yeah, so that was interesting uh, to see as well. So yeah, so <clears throat> so I, I still remember like he, he basically came on and we were sort of explaining the basics to him and then he just took off. <laughs> that was really funny. We did also war him right at the very end because uh, yeah. I, I think like he 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 had a decent number of doc, of docs, but not as many as the rest of us. So so we sank him right at the very end on the last day. Yeah, indeed. I needed taking down a few pegs. Um. Did anyone have any experience with Gorg or Calvin? Because I noticed they both jumped up, one by 142 spots and one by 166. Uh, no. Almost as much as B did. Yeah, so just look, so Gorg was, the, was who I might be thinking of. He was the Merfolk in, uh, in Realm 11. Um, it was kind of closing uh, in on, on mm-hmm. second place. We finished third. And it looks like Calvin was the, um, the undead in 13. But he had um, quite a strong round as well. Yeah, there seem to have been several newer players who've come in recently that have pretty immediately uh, shown a lot of capability at the game. It's it's really nice to kind of see some like new competitive blood. Yeah, yeah I like uh, I, I like that you just don't quite know what to expect from these new players as well because a lot of us we kind of after playing so many rounds we kind of know what to expect from each other in, in the psychology department. But these new guys, they're uh, they're unknowns. Who knows what they're gonna do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, let's let's talk a little bit about your round involving these because you have secured the uh, enviable position of uh, top black opera for the whole round, um, and you've obviously had quite a an interesting and exciting round warming half the player base. <laughs> So, <laughs> do you want to tell us how that went? What was the plan? Um, any any interesting stories to share? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think first of all, th- there are a couple things that need to be established about our realm this round. Um, one is that apart from Guy Doonster on the Lycanthrope, uh, who we we already mentioned, nobody else was fighting for a competitive round at all. I think I finished second at like forty eight hundred. We were a lot of like newer players or more casual players who were just going to check in now and then, or players taking breaks from their usual more active allegorical landing. Uh, I I signed up, not even a hundred percent sure I was going to play this round, and decided to just kind of screw around in the shadow league and have some fun. Uh, so it was very much that kind of realm where like we weren't going to have a big impact. We knew we weren't. Uh, we're just going to kind of chill out and have some fun. Um, at the start of the round, uh, I voted for myself just like for playing around with the realm name. And then I noticed somebody else voted for me. I went into Discord and told them like, hey, I, I just uh, signed up to like play around in the Shadow League. If you leave me in charge, I'm just going to declare a bunch of rumors. Um, and then I got more votes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my kind of realm. Yeah, so so like pretty much from that, I signed up just to like screw around and fireball people. I named myself Snowflame after a cocaine villain supervillain, real DC character by the way. Uh, and, and decided I just wanted the fireball stuff. And that was just, was just going to kind of blow off some steam. Last round ended really frustratingly for me individually and for the pack in general. We had the whole kind of meltdown thing after being one of the few that was kind of in the fight for the win. Uh, all of the sort of uh, acrimony and stuff between like Eric and Murph and all that. It, it just, it was just a kind of an unpleasant, frustrating end to the round. Um, 
so I just kind of wanted to take a break and, and screw around. So uh, it was a perfect realm for me to do that. And basically, I was just kind of handed the keys as a fireballer and told, like, go nuts. Um, so if you want, I could, like, talk you through why we declared each of the 10 wars we declared. Uh, because I know there were a lot of people who felt like most of them were sort of nonsense, and a lot of them kind of were. Uh, but but if you want like a, a blow by blow walkthrough of the ten wars, I could I can kind of give you that if you're curious. The, the title. Yeah, let's of, do it. Yeah. The title. The ten. Um. Uh, all right. Uh. So to to start, um, the first war out the gate. One thing that needs to be uh pointed out is in these early wars. Everybody in our realm except me and Guy Doonster was in attack. So, and he was going with a four build, so he didn't really have a very high range. So, for the first few wars, it was legitimately just me declaring on people for the, for the fun. Um, so, it wasn't going to affect anyone really, but we still kind of you know wanted to pick some targets. We didn't want to get involved with six and thirteen. Knew we weren't going to have the firepower to do anything. And since I knew my usual pack was in six, I could just see no matter who I declared on, you know, a war hit going some weird way or something, giving them an advantage and people crying collusion. So it just felt like a lose-lose to get involved in that. Um, so instead, we decided let's go for someone a little slower that uh, maybe will have potential to be big later, but doesn't really have any teeth now. And we settled on two or 12, and I picked a war two because I hate cars. Um <laughs> It's a good reason as any, I suppose. I mean, I I, I kind of joked about this. I, I made a big post in in Dominion chat. I don't know if you guys saw, but basically that was it. It's like, well, it's just me, and you know what? I have a lot of animosity. So I'm gonna just have to all these guys. Um, what did cars ever do to you? Uh, I I made I made a whole lengthy post about it in, in Dom chat if you want. To right. read it, but the the short version is my dad was a big car guy, and I just spent a lot of time growing up on road trips and at car shows and at drag strips, and and I just was never interested and got car sick all the time and just kind of hated it. Uh, so I just grew up with a lot of animosity toward plastic cars. <laughs> and this 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 uh, war was almost like emotional therapy for you. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so so that was really the the whole the, like. Some people joked about, man, these guys just must hate cars. It actually kind of was them. Um, <laughs> the, uh, then after that one, we went, okay, well, let's go get ourselves a wonder. We have all these attackers, so we can't really back off much yet, but we can get some prestige by going and taking the wonder. Several people liked the underground uh, society, so we went in Ward 1 to take that. So that was our second one. Um, now with a wonder, we're like, okay, War number three, who do we go for? Um, it has to be someone who has a wonder as well, because we don't want to just get grab this one and go give it to somebody uh so that narrowed the field and at the time the two biggest uh explorers were the the goblin and two and our lichen group and they were fighting it out back and forth the biggest spot so we went okay let's uh our lichen throats our only shot at the top so let's let's help him out let's go uh go fireball this goblin so uh Went back to war with two and fireballed the goblin, chased him into the royal guard a little before he needed two to convert. Gave our lycanthrope a little bit of an edge, and we're like, okay, that's worked out good. Um, and then war, then one declared back on us to take the underground society back. So that became our fourth war declaration. Was okay, we'll drop with two and go mutual one because um, 
we're playing that kind of round. If you war us, we're going to war you back. Um, so our fourth war declaration was just returning war on one. And um, they took the underground society. And we just, ultimately, we didn't really want to keep that one. So uh, what could we go hunt instead? Um, and looking around, ultimately, we kind of went, well, we want to give something that's going to give our liking throw up the best chance. The two best wonders available right now are the uh, the Wayfarer's Outpost that you guys had in five and the Great Market in two. And that goblin is still the other biggest guy. So it feels kind of ridiculous to war them again. But five looks like they have more black op potential to do some damage to us. So screw it. Let's go back and war them some more. I do hate cars after all. Um, so, so then that became our fifth war declaration. Uh, and that time they mutualed us back and made it clear they wouldn't let us just take the, the market. So we took it and I just let the war time out so that after a couple of days, um, they, you know, they let us keep it for a couple of days before taking it back, uh, just so we wouldn't do more damage to it. And then that kind of brought us to sort of the midway point of the round. So I'll, I'll pause in my lengthy diatribe here uh, for questions or comments before going into the second half. I, I definitely have a comment. So one of the things that interests me is that how many times uh, the remarks are made about, yeah, you know, they're trolling, etc., or this realm is just doing it. But it's so nice to hear that actually there's always, like if you take care to hear everybody's story, that, you know, disagreement or no, uh, everybody does seriously put some thought into these things. So that was I, I thought that was interesting. We definitely knew some of the wars were frivolous and you have you have confirmed that a little bit with the car hatred stuff. <laughs> no 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 that's that's that is that's completely legit. That might be the most legit reason actually. <laughs> Thank you. Rio, what did you think of all the wars while they were happening with Realm Town? Well I think it's kind of funny that you're saying this because if you guys remember, like early on, I said I actually would have preferred the Great Market over the the Wayfarers Outpost, and I think that would have been better for all of us. But because Realm Ten and um, I can't remember that Realm Three were throwing wars left and right, we just kept on thinking they must be going after the Wonder. So there's no point in us going for the Great Market because they'll just knock yeah. it down, and we'd have wasted time. So we'd have quite happily given up the Wayfarers Outpost for the Great Market, but we couldn't because of all these wars that Ten kept on doing. Yeah, we thought you guys were going to take the Great Market and then you just didn't. And we were like, uh, <laughs> we well, could have we been after that one all this time. <laughs> oh, did, well, we oh, did, did take you? it. We took it once. And then, oh, you and... didn't take it in the first war. That's what it was. Because no, no, we, we were going to go for it. Yeah, no, we didn't take it till, uh, till our third declaration on them. Uh, that's the one yeah. that, that Murph mutualed us on the other podcast uh, during when he was commenting about uh, our our blops feeling like tickles, which incidentally I think is actually is actually a really good illustration. There's been a lot of talk before about how much one or two focused black boppers can do, and uh, if you look at my fireball tally for this round, no one has ever really been a more focused black. Uh, but when it was basically just me throwing fireballs, it didn't really feel like it had any effect. Uh, now, how much of it feeling like a tickle is is real, and how much of that is just kind of Murph being Murph is you know to your discretion. But ultimately, I, it didn't seem like it was really having much of an effect on them. Just one blopper, even going super hard. So I I kind of feel like that's a pretty 
clear counter illustration to the idea that like one blopper going crazy on you is going to throw your round all out of whack. Right. I think to be fair to the, I think this has come about from Sly's suggestion that um, two black hoppers can um, completely destroy a run, can stop a runaway in their tracks was what he said. Um, Which is, I think he was, he was to be fair to the guy, he was, he was presenting a hypothetical scenario with perfect conditions. Yes, you probably could slow down a, a potential runaway slightly if you had two black hoppers in range, but you're certainly never going to kill anybody with that sort of firepower. Um, and I think that and that's obviously by design with the game. Obviously, you don't want random black hoppers like you, Bob and D's, playing Kingmaker by yourself. <laughs> so oh, for sure. Probably, yeah. probably works out okay in the end. Oh, yeah, indisputably. What I was doing should not have had an effect on me. So that, that is correct that it doesn't. That's good. Uh, I'm just I'm just commenting, kind of pointing out that it kind of does. And I mean, I I was in Voyage's round in, in round 32 uh, in his realm when we got like 10 or 11 wars declared. And he got fireballed all to hell throughout and still won the round as a fast attacker. So, I mean, he had a ton of, of realm support. Uh, but I've seen firsthand that fast attackers can weather blobs like they just yeah. can't. It's- yeah. I've seen it too. I mean, we tried we tried so hard to take your realm down that round, and it just didn't take. Uh, and that's just the way black ops work sometimes. Yeah, it's you, what you need is you need you need other forces in the game to come in and take that position from them. And if that's just not the dynamic, then your black ops can be totally pointless, even in big groups. Yeah, well, and and for us, kind of coming back to our warpath and stuff, um, we had some different players like Neophyte and Jay Merck who were sort of doing the Dave. So they started out as attackers. And then once their fast attacking ended, they deconverted into bloppers. And like Neo, I think ended up uh, leading in. Titan. Uh, so like they, they turned into effective bloppers in, in the later part of the round. But in, in those early phases, you know, we were kind of just a blop slight, a little bit arbitrary. Um, kind of knew we weren't going to have an effect on anything, so we were just kind of doing what we wanted. So let's get into uh, let's get into part two of the saga then. Who, who else were you warring? Okay. All right, Wars 6 through 10, Volume B. Um, <laughs> at this point, uh, Murph had made his comments on the podcast, and several people in our realm were like, well, now I'm going to train a bunch of ratios. I want to go fireball them again. Come on, war- declare war again. And some other people were like, you know, I'd really like to have, like, the Wayfarer's Outpost. That would be helpful. You know, something different. Um, So we had a vote, and by a five-to-four decision, instead of warring two again immediately, and and I should point out, this is when we finally knew that that was Murph in there. Uh, Some people suggested briefing him intentionally. The first three wars on that realm, we did not know who was in there. but by a five to four vote, it was decided that the we declare on five and go take the Wayfarer's outpost instead. So uh, two had had declared on you and done a little damage to it, and then undeclared. We weren't really sure what was up with that. If they were maybe trying to get us to go leave them alone and take the other one or something. So we went ahead and declared on you guys, but then you declared on someone else. I want to say it was eight and three yeah. also like declared on you guys. So it suddenly got really muddy. 
where there were like three different realms at war that could all potentially take the wonder. And so everyone would poke at it a little to commit. Um, do you maybe, do you maybe want to come in and explain why we ended up in three wars? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a good moment for an interjection. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to like check back on the, on the timings of it all. Cause I feel that, did you guys so ten declared on us first? I think. Uh, then, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, so from what I recall, ten declared on us. Um, and we one person had plans to go after eight. Exactly. Yeah, we were already setting up because eight. So Gothia had just made, I think, a big hit on Crazy Elf. So he was now going like the, the kind of like the, the top contender at that time. So we were set to go after him, and then realm ten declare on us. And there was like most of I think you guys were going after mainly Unfather, our, our exploring goblin. And then one person was really like coming after me, just completely on his own from, from your realm. But it wasn't enough to kind of like detract us from what we wanted to do. But then we declare war on, on eight to fireball Gothia before he gets all of his wizards in because he, he sensed it was coming. So he'd start to prep before we had a chance to. But we still managed to nail him just, as, uh, just before all that came in. And then three seemed to almost like come out of nowhere just to, to declare a, a war on us. And they just went after me hard. They they just completely fireballed me to the ground, despite me having moderate um, forest havens and protections. I think I had about 45% protection, but they had six blockers in range, plus the one from Realm 10 coming after me. And so, yeah, so we just found ourselves with three separate wars for three very different reasons. Um and uh, and yeah, that's that's the kind of situation that we were in at that stage. Yeah, well, fr- from our end, it looked like maybe three had slid in, hoping to snipe the wonder, and we weren't really sure what was going on with your declaration on eight. But we figured you guys had your own kind of reasoning for what you were doing. So it it had reached the point for us where it was just too complicated, and no one wanted to commit resources to getting some other realm of wonder. So. Instead, at that point, the Goblin in 2 had started to and the big explorer was now the Goblin in 9, Peter uh, with our Lycanthrope in second place, and Peter Griffin was kind of starting to take a lead out there over him. So we decided, okay, we can't, we can't commit to anything with this wonder. Let's just drop here. We'll go fireball Peter Griffin some, try to slow him down a little bit. Uh, so that's, that's what we did with our next war, was uh, war number 7 was uh was against realm nine mostly to try to fireball the goblin uh, it was a little bit of other black hopping going on but i think that was that was at least my main goal um and then all the other wars with you guys cleared up and the wayfarer's outpost is just sitting there on like fifty thousand hit points or something like that and we're like well if no one's gonna take it that that was what we wanted let's go back there and get it um so we undeclared on nine time had run out there and went back to war you guys and that's when we had our mutual our third mutual of the round after the one with one and one with two um and pretty much we knew you guys were going to take it back so our thinking our thought process was kind of it's super low hit points we'll take it once and we'll just let this war time out because they're not going to want to take it back from us until the very end to prevent us from doing extra damage to it. So we'll just knock it down, sit here doing black ops with the mutual war. So we get the little, you know, infamy bonuses and stuff. At this point, a few people had deconverted the black ops and we were having some fun throwing things back and forth. 
and um, and we'll enjoy having the, the outcomes. <laughs> and somewhere in the midst of all this, I don't remember the exact timing, uh, Guy Dune Sturgashi. And I, I can't recall if he officially confirmed in the Discord that it was an Ares drop, but I believe that was what happened. Um, and it, obviously it was a massive hit. It's on one of the two, like the second biggest guy in the game and immediately took us completely out of the race. Cause now like our only chance was if these attackers all bog each other down and an explorer wins and we've got our guy in running, but the goblin was already kind of pulling ahead. And now we've just had this, this big hit that set it, you know, set our guy way behind. So by the time our war ended with you guys, it was late in the round. And we had our one shot was now gone. Uh, a few people had deconverted into black. So now we're just going to all right, let's just do some more war for fun. Um, and so this next one was was a pretty arbitrary one where we just went to war with seven because uh, it was a war heavy round and nobody had warred them yet that we'd seen. So let's uh, let's let them in on the fun. Um, so we just kind of had an arbitrary blopping war against seven. Uh, and then ended the round uh, when there were like six days left. We decided 10 wars, we're realm 10. Uh, we'll finish where we started, declaring on two one more time. That feels like a good poetic way to end. So we declared our 10th <laughs> war on realm two. must have been entirely sick of you guys by the end of that. Um, <laughs> with, at this point, I do have to admit the additional note that several people thought it might be funny to just annoy me. Um, yeah. And and that pretty much brought us to the end. That war timed out with like one day left, and uh, and there we go. So that was the that was the saga of tens ten war declarations, and you know a lot of them were sort of arbitrary, but also we knew weren't actually going to affect anyone really anyway. Uh, and several of them did actually have motivations behind them with an intent to try to help our one long shot at the top. Because really, that was the only the only horse we had in the race, even remote. Nobody else was uh, was fighting for the champ. The rest of us were just kind of casual, chilling out, and, and just kind of you know ha- having a having a kickback sort of around. It was the kind of realm that was really chill to hang in, but you could sometimes go a couple of days without really seeing any new messages in the Discord chat. Cool. What a, what so, a nice story. Yeah. Overall, what do you think your influence was on the round? Do you think, do you think uh, you made the correct decisions? Do you regret any of the stuff that you did? Uh, were there any mistakes apart from obviously an Ares drop, and that wasn't really war related? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we have to be honest about the fact that in a kind of smaller, disorganized, you know, inactive to semi-active realm with several newer players, several players kind of taking a round off or playing real casually, that we were just never going to really affect anything. So I'm not sure that anything we did can genuinely be called like a substantial mistake because I don't think anything we did was ever going to have a substantial impact one way or the other. But it's, I think well, what, uh, to, to my point, uh, I also wanted to add something I also thought of when we, when we did our first sort of halfway the tour of the war or the tour de blob, um, the that's this is also very much a game of engine building, right? So you're building up your economic engine and quote unquote kill. You you don't actually kill somebody, but you can flatten their curve to the extent that the when you, you know when they try to 
get that curve to go steeper again so you grow faster that that effectively is the is the thing and i do think there are these subtle effects where i think because you really called it like we you know in in realm five and just to be clear right so rush rio and myself we were in realm five together and that was indeed sort of exactly our reasoning right we want to wait for a very long time uh, until uh, so you can't hit uh, our wonder when we steal it back again and yeah, you did take quite some resources away from us in that way. And that was um, because also we also had this consideration, right? Like, do we take it back earlier? Because I think Rio made the, the, the remark at some point in time that to balance that, you know, well, you know, if we take it earlier, we get those resources, but, you know, they might take it back. So um, that therefore in any small way did hurt our growth. So I think in that sense, it you know, there there was small impacts on the game, but I think that's also what I think Open Dominion is, right? There's a lot of these small little impacts that add up to a big effect. I, I agree. And I think one small impact I did kind of on a personal level aim for was you might have noticed that a lot of our war targets as I was running through this involved going after a big goblin explorer. Um, now, that is partially just because I wanted to fireball people. And big goblin explorers are fab- absolutely fabulous fireball people. <laughs> um but but a big part of that was and and part of that was also they are the primary competition for our big like explorer there's really nothing we can do about the big attackers but we can try to get our explorer to the top explorer um but a sort of third motivation in there was there were a lot of big goblin explorers this week. and sometimes in past rounds that's meant that there have been a lot of big goblin converters squatting on all of our heads, training into this. So I kind of felt like any little bits of economic damage I could do, any little slow things down and slightly screw with your ability to convert quite as quickly and efficiently that I could do to a variety of these goblins would be a benefit. And I don't know if that ultimately played out really, because none of the goblins I, I fireballed ever really did tank off. But I don't really know that that had all that much to do with Black Ops damage from from Neo's lightning bolts or my fireballs or anything else we really did. Uh, like, I think the, the Goblin in 2 just kind of had a failure to launch all on his own. It really didn't have anything to do with having been fireballed by us. So I, I think that those little effects can make a difference. I just don't know that we actually did in this case. I think from my perspective, some of the wars we ended up in this round with Black Ops Realms, it was yourself and three uh, were the main ones. They were just really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole the composition of your realm is like 90% Black Opera. And usually, if you're a black opera and you're in a war, there's an attacker you can target. You know, and there's somebody, there's a threat in that realm. Hopefully, that you can knock down a few pegs and you know take them out of the running or something like that. In your realm, there was just nobody clear to focus on <laughs> apart from apart from your big explorer. Who we, I think we roasted him well once in one of the wars, and after that, he was just like, I'm bringing in major ratios. And he did, and he had the economy to bring in major ratios, and then after that, we couldn't, there was, there was like, from my perspective, I was like, I can't hit anybody in that realm with my Black Ops, because they've got such insane ratios. And I think there was maybe maybe an undead in there that I could have targeted, but he was so far below my acres that the game would punish me by giving me basically nothing in return for fireballing him. So I would kill like 
extremely little amount of peasants and get a tiny amount of infamy. And I'm like, this is not worth my resources. And it was the same. It was the same in Realm Three. Um, Realm Three. At one point, I was farming infamy off of a lizard folk because he had the lowest spy ratio in that realm. And I was like, this, this is ridiculous. You know. Um, so yeah, it got quite frustrating. Uh, having to having to deal with wars from you guys, especially the overcost sort of composition. Yeah, well, and and honestly, that was really nice for for me as the constantly war declaring maniac in charge, because um, I kind of knew we didn't have a bunch of big fat juicy targets either, which helps a lot because um, you don't want to ruin people's rounds who are like really putting together a great round. Um, and you also don't want to provide a bunch of like really juicy uh, war hit targets. And there were several war hits against us over the round, and we had several war hits as well. But like on the other podcast, when Murph was talking about how they were going to like feed a bunch of war hits off of us and grow real huge and everything, that never really materialized. Uh, and in part, that was just because like who were the targets that you were going to, who were the big juicy targets that you were going to feast on? Like we're all just kind of kicking back, exploring the 4,000 acres at the end of the round. There's nobody here that's yeah. a big, great target to get your huge war hit on. Well, I know in our wars, King Jota managed to get a couple of war hits on you guys. Um, I think he got yeah, two. Yeah, well, uh, and we surrendered several, and I, I think our uh, Satan's Arson Militia was playing the sort of Zooge game down there uh, toward the bottom of the So he probably got war hit a whole bit. Um, yeah, I'd like to think it was... I'm looking at the, the realm now. I think it was Aero and Twix, which is... Okay, uh, that Oceanu was... Um, Oceanu and Martinek. Uh, Martinek. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he ended up most, most prestigious Dominion, so I think you, you, you helped him out slightly there. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, cool. By the way, in the in the light of time, shall we do some talking about prestige? By the way, shall we do some uh, award stuff? Yeah, let's hand out some awards. Yeah. So we've got we've got some established categories from the last time. Uh, so we'll run through those. Um, if anybody listening would like to suggest new categories, by the way, please feel free. Uh, we can consider them for future yeah. awards ceremonies. Yeah, let's be clear. The first time that we did this, uh, we pulled the awards straight out of our ass. Most of them. So uh, in that tradition, uh, by all means, uh, if any of you two guests want to pull some, something out of your asses or an award, by all means, go for it. I feel like we need we need a jingle for these awards, man. We've got to come up with something. Um, <laughs> oh. Just a little, little, little bit of prestige music. <laughs> I, I've tried to get sort of my... I do have a jingle thingy, but it's it's. Uh, I think last time we tested it, it didn't, it didn't work and it didn't end up in the... So... Um, I'll see. I'll, I'll maybe for the first one, I'll see if I can splice something in or so. I'll, I'll figure it out. Just a little. Right. You want an award? Oh, good Lord. It's rush hour on Discord. Ooh. I think just, just add some music to that and we're done. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, let's go through it then. So the first award uh, is called the Warmonger Award and it is for declaring the most wars. AGFX, who, who's grabbing that war this round? Is it Realm 10? It is an ex equal actually, between Realms 3 and 10, both with 10 declarations. 
And we're not counting the ones right at the end, are we? The ones declared frivolously after no. the, you know the last twenty four hours. No, not the, uh, the I say the congratulatory uh, ones. No, we're not counting those. Yeah. Okay. So in in the actual real game, it was drawn between. So congratulations, Bob. You, you picked up a shared award there for your. I, I'm honored to sh- I'm honored to share it with them. They were truly great more warmongers this round. Do you want to to give a little speech? Maybe thank God. Uh, yes, I, I'd like to. Um, I'd like to thank the cocaine that powered my cocaine-powered supervillain uh, dominion. <laughs> I would like to thank uh, God, and I would like to thank Rudy Giuliani for that hair dye incident on TV. Uh, good night, everyone. This has been a true one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, and the next award uh, is is the flip side of the Warmonger Award, which is we don't have a good name for this one yet. I heard a suggestion of Victim Award because this is the award for most declared on realm. Yeah, or the Lightning Rod Award. Is indeed uh, that one goes to realm number two with eight. I think we can maybe thank Realm Ten again for contributing to the award. Congratulations, guys. You earned it? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's what you get for naming yourselves after cars. Who knew it was going to trigger somebody <laughs> to such a <Yeah>. degree? <laughs> this is what happens, Larry. This is what happens when you name yourself after cars. Yeah, maybe we should call it the Toasty Cars Award. <laughs> yeah, the Burnt Out Rex. Okay, so uh, that covers the the Wars Awards. Well, there's one more actually in this category, and it's uh, which realm dodged the most wars or did not declare at all, um, and that is the the Cowardly Custard Award. So the, this one's got a a note of shame attached to it for not really getting stuck in and trying to change how the round dynamics worked. Yeah. So who wins that award, AGFX? Who's our who's our Cowardly Custard? Interestingly, this is also a realm that is also famous for some other stuff, and it's Realm 12 with the grand total of zero. Wow. So that's that's quite interesting, because they controlled a good chunk of the round, uh, and yet weren't really taking any sort of... I mean, they obviously were taking strategic action, but they weren't able to utilize war in the way that other realms were. Um I wonder if that's because of a lack of black ops capability. What do you think, Rio? Yeah, that's actually kind of surprising. I, I thought I know they were involved in a few wars. Um, yeah, I guess they were just always the the victims of it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised by that at all. To be honest, I I can imagine in future rounds that will be that'll be me and my pack winning that award because if you don't have black oppers with you, then there's not really much benefit from wars. You know. Um, because you need to have, you need to have a good chunk of people. You know, the main, um, the main kind of black op that attackers would look for would be snaring. But again, you need such a huge number of people to do it that there's not much benefit to it. So, um, yeah. So I, snare, I snare is one of the things I wanted to discuss because we used snare one, I think, once in our realm to take. Um, Ares off of I think it was Crazy Elf the Spirit in twelve, um, and we didn't we didn't do it to line up a snare hit because there wasn't anybody to hit him. We did it so that he couldn't cast his self spells and stop us from black opping him as effectively. Um, but did we ever really see any snare hits at all this round? 
like big snare hits, or were realms just not able to utilize that black orb? Yeah, I don't think we did. Yeah, so we we it was so it was Swamp Fox, wasn't it? That it was a spirit. We kept him snared for a good chunk of time. Um, he had fairly decent defense without it because uh, I think he was kind of planning for it anyway. But yeah, like you said, we did it to just remove all the spells, especially like energy mirror, just to kind of keep the pressure on him. But yeah, I, thinking back, I don't think there were any snares because it's really not that hard to um, to defend it in a smaller in like when the numbers in the realm are, are significantly smaller than they were in the previous round. Um, and, and I can't think off the top of my head. So I think either lessons learned from people actually training spies to protect against it, um, training in enough defense to, to not worry about it, or just the fact that there were fewer numbers and fewer black ops available to do it um, than we saw the round before. Yeah, and I think one of the main reasons for reducing the realm size was to bring Snare into a more manageable um, form. Obviously, that had a, an effect on all Black Ops, but it, it maybe has overcorrected. I would call it an overcorrection. Yeah. All right. It's well, uh, I'm sure that's. The Sorry. Thing is, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's difficult because really, ideally, what you want is for a good people to like hammer somebody who like was snared to get the the spell down for a few hours just to make a hit, then it kind of comes back up. But what we've seen is either people don't have any kind of defenses against it whatsoever, so they can be snared continuously for 24 hours. Um, or people, if you know the resilience or whatever is too strong, then people just don't bother with, like, with the spies anyway. They just let the uh, resilience kick in and then get the spells back up. So we've not really found that like that um, that middle ground, that kind of compromise that everyone's happy with. It's either too harsh or, or too easy. Well, I haven't seen any proposed changes to either snare or realm sizes in what the GPC have come out with for next round. So I would imagine it's going to be much the same as we've seen. I know I know FET is going to work on the algorithm that chooses who goes into the realms, and maybe that will help correct it. But at the moment, we could be looking at kind of a rerun. Yeah, and then I, I mean, think in that case, it's just going to be people that don't have any spies at all will be vulnerable, um, but most other people should be um, should be able to capably defend themselves against it. Yeah, and all, I think all things considered, this was a really kind of a good balanced round where there were a lot of different styles that had their moments. So... Like if there aren't a bunch of big dramatic changes, I don't think that would necessarily be a bad thing. I do think a lot of people were unhappy with their realm assignments just because going from so many players to so many less immediately feels like you have vastly fewer resources, but so does everybody else. So it all kind of evens itself back out a little bit. Three showed that if you did have a, have a group of people that were dedicated to bopping, you could do some actual damage to people. Um, we showed that if you had one or two people going crazy on blops, you really couldn't. So what are you worried about? Um, so I, I, this snare seems to perpetually be in this weird place in terms of balance between being able to just shut someone down for a day and a half and not being able to snare someone at all. Uh, it, it kind of feels like maybe changing like the whole realms to try to correct for that one spell is is changing a lot of different variables rather than addressing the one thing that's yeah i think i agree um it was it's definitely a strange way to go about correcting it but we're we're in that now and i do i do kind of agree with the general sentiment that you, you shouldn't really make massive changes every round because you're in your 
you're constantly just in a state of flux and not really knowing whether something's working because of unusual round dynamics or something else. You know, it's one of the reasons I don't. I'm not saying this is the case anymore, but it certainly used to be. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I, I like the fact that black ops don't get wildly changed every round at the moment. Um, there's maybe a few tweaks here and there, but it's not been too tumultuous, where, as in the past, it felt like I was learning a new game system every single round with the amount of nerfs and buffs and things going crazy. So as if we, if we can settle on a sort of general state for the game for a few rounds, that's probably a good thing. Okay, uh, let, let's get on with the next award. So um, the next award is for most bounces. So this person is getting the Bouncy Castle Award. Uh, AJFX, who's our winner of that uh, highly coveted category. Again, this is a shared win, uh, both by Firefly TG and Zooj, and they both had six bounces. Wow. I don't know who Firefly TG is, so he must be a new player. But we all know Zooj. We all know Zooj. <laughs> the Zooj. All right, so they're sharing that award. Who wins the Made of Rubber Award, which is for the most bounces caused? Here's an interesting one. <clears throat> this award was won by a bot, and the bot was called The Natural <laughs> Choice. <laughs> the players are being bounces. outfoxed by bots. <laughs> they're taking over. <laughs> Yeah, the AI is getting too advanced in this game, man. <clears throat> yes, indeed. So that was the most uh, bounce caused by a bot. Of course, uh, the honorary, uh, you know, uh, puny human award, I guess, in that sense, goes to Crazy Elf, who caused three bounces. That's pretty impressive. Um, I know I know at least one of those bounces was um, orchestrated, so he managed to cause it himself by releasing his spies and wizards. I think it was on Gothia, is that right? Real? Yeah, I think so, yeah. From from speaking to Gothia, there were a couple of things that he could have done. Um, one of them was, it was investing in wars, and the other thing was releasing. Um, Gothia checked one thing, but he forgot to check the other. And then whatever thing he didn't check uh, is what caused the bounce. <laughs> That's really unfortunate. Uh, I don't know what the other two were. I don't know, Crazy Elf, if you managed to bounce all three of your own accords. So apologies if I'm underselling your bounce capability. But you've still won the, the Made of Rubber Award, so congratulations. Um, I want to say the next category is Most Hits for the Conqueror Award. Uh, indeed, yeah. So who did the most hits? And uh, that is um, what, the one... One and only, the one we love. It is Zooj with 53 hits. Which I think completely... Eric's won that title last round, and I think it completely eclipses his number of hits. He was at 36, and Zooj has taken 53 hits. Or made 53 hits, I should say. Yeah, and also uh, for if, this round, uh, just to check, uh, he also actually, uh, I think the second uh, number of hits... Well, actually, there was a 52... If I understand, right. sk skills of justice did fifty-two, and then it tapers off steeply. I mean, uh, some some realm called Snow White's Necromancy wish. No idea there. Of course, uh, they did thirty-nine. So there's it's sort of you you never get to go over four. That was uh, wasn't that Matty Van Halen? We had them on the podcast last week. Uh, Indeed, I think uh, <laughs> wasn't wasn't uh, Snow White's Necromancy wish the undead in thirteen? Yeah. 
Uh, was, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, but Maddie Van Halen Calvin. was in six. I think. Oh, right. Okay, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I got them mixed up. That would have been funny though if, if it had been him. Uh, and that scales of justice. He was in our realm. Uh, a lot of his uh, hitting and getting hit was with Zooch. He was he was down there in the trenches uh, feeding Zooch quite a bit. So fifty three hits. That's more than one hit a day for the entire round. Rio, do you think there's any strategy where that amount of hits could work? Uh, not anymore. So, so it's now been changed where the, the biggest thing that happens when you're hitting and getting hit is you lose a lot of prestige from it. So it kind of scales up. I think from after like the second or third hit, you could initially, when you when you first get hit, you lose 5% of your prestige. Then it goes up by 1% each time. So you lose like 6%, then 7%, then 8%, then 9%, then 10%. And most hits, you're not really going to be. You're going to be lose, like you're going to be getting a net negative number amount of prestige, which completely ruins any kind of benefit that you're going to get from it. So even if you're in a mortal race like undead, um, doing it that often is not going to help you. Doing it kind of like early round or, or kind of like in the mid stages around, you might get some benefit from hit exchanging, but long term, it's, it's definitely not a winning strategy. Does that undermine? undead at all or does it sort of correct how they're meant to be played yeah it, it just prevents because really the, that kind of method that kind of play style is typically not not great for the game you wouldn't want it to drive success to the point where lots of people do it um because it kind of messes up with the dynamics but it's definitely in short bursts doing it um is usually okay and you can get some kind of benefit from it like there's a point in in the round where um with the um, that 13 um, undead was a nice opportunity to kind of suicide the Sylvan to kind of bring everything back into balance, which he didn't take. But he was in a perfect position to do that um, using his his race because he would have suffered very few casualties. And even if he lost a lot of land from like four or five hits, he would have been able to grow back up almost immediately. Um, mm. But long term, it's definitely not not the way. All right. Well, uh, the next award is for most hits taken, and uh, I guess. We probably don't need to guess who that might have been. Uh, AGFX, who won that category? Yes, the Fuck Defense Award, again, was won by Zooj with 77 hits taken. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, woof. That's a lot of hits taken. I wonder what his prestige would have been on if that new formula was in place. Zero? Yeah. Oh, can, it not, can you not get negative prestige? No, I don't think you can get negative. I think it's always percentage loss. But I, I should say, despite me being fairly small in the early game, I don't think I uh, ever hit him. Um, not because I couldn't, just because the uh, the opportunities weren't there. He, he'd often suicide after I sent. Yeah, I know you and Jota were keen to hit him at certain points in the game, but just never could find the right timing. But uh, Kozula, who was also in our realm, managed to disgrace himself and hit Zuj. So one of our realm did benefit. One of those hits at least went to us. <laughs> yeah, we had quite a few Zooj hits in our realm. Because again, we had a lot of guys who were kind of playing more casual attacker type rounds. So uh, he was sort of perfect target size for several of our guys. I think we probably had 10 different hits around on Zooj. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know an exact number, but quite a few. And if you look at the sort of the, the, the quote unquote normal... Uh, types of hits uh, for more experienced players. So, uh, Zuch with 77, and then uh, Skills of Justice uh, had 45 hits against him, which is the 
um, um, which was, of course, the the opponent of Zuj, and they were hitting each other, but also Blighted Mountain, that was actually Simo, and he had 42 hits against him. So there were two sort of you know players that are known for their uh, for their styling and also uh, receiving a lot of hits. But then it really drops down quite sharply. There's maybe sort of, you know, 28, 23, 27, probably quite a number of um, sort of newer players, which is uh, understandable. And then it tapers off pretty quickly. Uh, so, yeah, of course, the, the 77 is pretty, uh, quite an insane number. That, that you know, um, it's it's fun for an award, but probably not for a gameplay. <laughs> well, our, our next category is named for um, a bit of a, a rivalry that developed last round and it's called the salty murph award and the previous winner of the salty murph award was eric uh that's for the most land lost yeah. um <laughs> agfx don't hold us in suspense over this yeah. one does huge oh. win this award as well and indeed he does surprise surprise five thousand seven hundred and thirty six land lost Ooh. Jesus Christ, that's so much land. What did he Man, finish on? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I have to go and look at his final acres. So he finished on uh, 3,065 acres and lost 5,000. So he almost lost more than double what he actually finished on. Yeah, and also uh, if you look at the, the hits made, so in 53 hits, he gained 3,369. So sort of 3.3.4k, let's say, uh, and sort of yeah. So he gained half of what he lost then. Well, yeah. So he did, sorry, you said he gained three thousand four hundred odd acres. Yeah. And he finished on three thousand and sixty-five acres. Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't think that strategy works, Zuj. I think you need to rethink it, mate. <laughs> you see, what you're forgetting about is how incredibly funny. Yeah. It's certainly been entertaining to watch. Although yeah. it did cause some controversy. Like, should a player really be allowed to influence and give this many acres to the the up and coming tiers of efficient players? Yeah. But I mean, to a certain extent, I think AGFX said in your previous podcast that like, what really is the difference between this and hitting a bot? You were talking about prestige differences, but if you've been hit seventy times in a round, how much prestige is someone really getting from hitting? It's just kind of a different option to hit for the fun of it. And yeah. everyone has the option available. And most of those hits, I mean, were by guys like our Scales of Justice guy who were just down there in the trenches trading hits. With like maybe a dozen of those went to someone that actually grew into any kind of size because even the slower attackers were out of range of him by the time we got to the mid -pound. So I just I just don't think that it's ha that it really is having such a big effect on like the outcome of things at the top that it's worth getting worked up with person. Yeah, I think well, I agree I with that. Because I because that's that's part of the reason why I didn't hit him because I kind of outgrew his range too quickly. Um, and it's also what you're saying be before bots came along. This is how kind of like the the smaller attackers would grow or like the efficient attackers would grow. It would be on people playing undead. Could be sending out without a care in the world. It's only because bots have created a new option that this is even really an issue. Yeah, I mean it's basically just back when back when we were in classic and there were three thousand people in the game, you had a whole bunch of people just casually playing, logging in two or three times a day, sending without really looking around too much at offenses and stuff. And and we didn't have bots because we had those players. 
So it's like bots only exist as a substitute for people playing the way Zooj is playing right now. So why are we getting mad that someone is just playing that way again? Like it's not really affecting anything and it adds a lot of fun to the game. Uh, I I think it's a net positive. Yeah, I think it's uh, there's certainly one player in our realm, one of the newer players that was quite annoyed because it was always his competition that seemed to benefit from uh, Zuj and his antics. So he was uh, a bit miffed that he was just constantly feeding acres to these people. But like you say, I mean, those guys could have been hitting bots instead. So maybe it's maybe it's yeah. no point in getting upset about it at all and just leave it be. Well, and like it's pretty normal for someone to get upset at, that a thing happened specifically when it benefited their opponent. But if the exact same thing had happened and benefited them, it would have been fine. It's that old, you know, <laughs> dear, dear Blizzard, uh, scissors are broken, rock is fine, sincerely paper. Yeah, I call that the uh, worst Meyer logic. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, so I think we've we've covered all of the the regular awards for each round. Um, we've got a few unique awards to hand out. So these are probably going to change every round depending on things that happen. Um, you know, if, if something unique or or history making happens in OD, we'll hand out an award for it. But we've got a few to give out this time around. Um, speaking of Burstmeyer, <laughs> we've got the. Uh, the most abandons award that we've ever I think we've ever seen. And this is called the the, the Jonestown Award for drinking the Kool-Aid. Oh yep. Uh, so I, I I'm happy to announce this one. Um which is uh, I think it was correct me if I'm wrong, AJ if it's seven abandons seven. and one locked Dominion in Realm Twelve. And that was round twelve, indeed. So they, so congratulations, round twelve. You still get away with a very nice award. Yeah, man. If we were actually making awards for these, I just imagine like a golden Kool Aid guy. You know, the the guy that jumps through walls and goes, "Oh yeah." Yeah, I think this. I think this one pairs very nicely with the cowardly Custer thing because it's like, well, they all ran away from the round. Yeah, I mean, they, they basically abandoned and uh, avoided all repercussions that would usually follow uh, suicides and stuff like that. So it was it was it was almost to me like uh, flipping the board. You know, if you're if you're losing a board game and you get frustrated, and you go, well, I just don't want to play anymore. And you flip it over and uh, nobody can do anything about it. Yeah, it had the sort of like it had the feel of those videos you'll see of someone having like a complete rage meltdown in a World of Warcraft raid or something. The, the computer ends up in a gap at the end of it. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, I think I think overall uh, there was some discussion about that whole situation on Real Talk, wasn't there, Rio? And uh, you guys ended up. Um, I, th- I think the the overall sentiment was that people were quite sympathetic towards what they actually ended up doing. Yeah, I think people kind of like understood. Um, it was it was frustrating for me because it well. As as Bob was just saying, it, it affected me negatively because um, I didn't get in on on most of the action, so it, it benefited my opponents way more than than it did me. Otherwise, I'd have been a lot happier with how it all came out. Um, I, I think the initial kind of suicides at first set, where they all kind of like sent off, was was kind of like fine and it was almost like legitimate because you're okay to like suicide if one of your realmates has been attacked, especially when you've been kind of prepping that suicide anyway. It was when all of them started to descend out, knowing they were going to be feeding and affecting the round. 
Um, so that kind of like second wave where they would have completely suicided um, and then abandoned afterwards, which I think people were less happy about. But, but the initial ones the, the night before, most people kind of like understood and got and, and understood why they would abandon um, rather than just kind of limp through the rest of the round. But um, I, I don't think it was overwhelmingly in favor of, of that happening. And I don't think people would be happy if it, that was the case every single round. Yeah, and I think uh, I think abandoning at the end of it was just the uh, kind of the icing on the cake for it. Really, I mean, usually after that happens, you, so at some point other people are going to be able to get in on the action and benefit from it, but they just sort of absolve themselves of consequences. Yeah, exactly. And I think the abandoned feature is kind of like it's, it's good in terms of you know if, if if real life kind of takes you away from from the game and you know you you don't want to damage your your own realm by feeding opponents, that kind of abandoned feature gone in but kind of wrecking stuff you know throwing all the toys out the pram and, and then abandoning yeah. i'm not sure that's entirely what it's there for why don't we make it the same as the going into guards and out of guards to that, that have it take 24 hours i think it does doesn't it yeah it does take 24 hours to take effect uh, okay. i think you can you can train or cast spells in that in that time yeah um, but for for, for being able to be hit so you know it takes 24 hours that other people can still hit you and that would be the punishment yeah, maybe some sort of a rule that, you can, uh, that the abandoned button is deactivated for 36 hours after sending or something. So you can't send and then, uh, you know, suicide and immediately abandon. You you have to actually, like, wait out a little bit. Yeah. There's definitely things that you, can, you, that you can do and you can't do. So you can definitely cast yourself spells to, like, make sure, um, you know, your, your defensive spells up. But... I don't think I think if you do attack or, or maybe even if you explore, I think that resets it twenty four hours. So the actual I think the the mechanic in it works okay. Um it's more just kinda of like how, how people use it. And it's, it's not like you can abuse it, but it definitely leaves a bit of a, a sour taste in people's mouths if you kind of do something to affect the round and then just kinda of like walk away. Yeah. yeah. I guess there's really no way to mechanically like regulate that that's just sort of a case-by-case usage of a tool yeah exactly it's still it's your right to do it it's just whether people are happy about it or not yeah indeed. i think i would rather yeah. i would rather have it in in favor of player agency than not have it you know if those are the two options but yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was definitely definitely a sour taste is a good way of putting it yeah i think that's yeah. that's the way most people felt at the end yeah so so our next unique award is is for the Toasty Peasants belt, which is another new one. Um, we've got a, a record breaker uh, in terms of the number of fireball kills this round. AGFX, who could it be? Who could it be other than our esteemed guests, Volve with 360,148? Woo! Thank you. A lot of dead peasants. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not sure that's something to be to be proud of. <laughs> that's a lot of families going, going <laughs> losing relatives. <laughs> well, they should have thought of that before becoming peasants. I think they should have built the the, the thirty forest havens, and then they'd be fine. They could all just squeeze into those. Exactly. All of the people who accidentally clicked on the wrong building and built twenty forest havens instead of lumber yards. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> they got to raise their children and have happy families. Yeah, this is just it's it's a lesson about investing in infrastructure. Um, 
but I, I was actually I, I discovered it after the round was sort of surprised that it was the case. I was kind of expecting the total to be a lot higher because I'd taken time out to cyclone three different wonders and I'd gotten really lax about my towers at the end of the round and stuff. But I guess it's just sort of a, a testament to how rarely like a dedicated black opera is just sort of handed the keys to the kingdom and told to go wild. Yeah, well, I actually thought that Toothy held the record for uh, the most fireballs, but just just before we started this podcast, we were having a bit of discussion about it, and it turns out he might not have actually held that title at all. Uh, no, do you want me to do you want me to read through? Because I, uh, out of curiosity, after Cronal and Grapes of Math had made some comments about my fireball peasant kills, I went through the rounds and checked. Uh, in in the standard leagues of Dominion, there have been eight people who've had two hundred thousand or more fireball kills. I've got a list here. I can read through if you want. Yeah, go for it. Uh, okay, number one, uh, me this round with three hundred and sixty thousand. Number two, the record I broke was Chronal with 322,000 in round 29, when you guys had your whole Cthulhu Mythos pack together in uh, one of the draft rounds. Um, next behind that was Chronal in round 32 with 266,000. Next behind that was Chronal in round 34 with 250,000. Is this just a list of Chronals they Four of the top seven. Four of the Kronos top seven. The way back. <laughs> I, I, I propose that this be called the Chronal Club because <laughs> half the people who've done it are just him. Um, right, okay. uh, in that same round, uh, round 34, Toothy had 254,000. So he was 2,000 lower. Chronal told me uh, that Toothy would have passed him, but he fell asleep uh, before sending his last volley. Uh, then Robert, this round, had 244,000. Cronel in round 20 had 241,000. And Mriss in round 24 had 201,000. Uh, th- there's a few beta round ones that will also happen mixed in there, a 301, a 212, and a 200 flat by uh, Jam Jome, Toothy, and Slypimp. But th- that's the list of the eight standard league rounds where someone's had 200,000 or more. So Cronal was the only one who'd had 300,000 before this. Uh, and I sort of, to my own surprise, uh, broke his fireball record. So now that's that's the new bar. Somebody go kill 361,000 peasants. <laughs> well, it sounds like, from what you're saying, that... Uh, it's eminently achievable to kill even more than that. So, because if you're if you're taking time off to cyclone and do other things and not fully dedicating yourself, I wonder if it's possible to get five hundred thousand. Do you think that might be unachievable? I, I think that might be right about the ed- Eric and I started talking about this after the round, like going, you know, if you really maximized, what could you get to? Because if I had just stayed on towers through the end of the round. Uh, and and not cycloned as much. I probably could have gotten over four hundred thousand pretty easily this round. Yeah. Uh, and and I definitely was not as optimized as you could get, and I'm relatively new to black opting. So I think someone who really was like tuned in as a strong black who really knew what they were doing and optimized for everything. I think you could probably get two or close to five hundred thousand if you had control of the war button the whole. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you you probably would have to go into the round with that intention and just design your dominion around it. Because, like, I know when I got my 
I, I've got a record for 10,000 plus swarm hours in a round, which is Ooh. a crazy number of, of, of swarm hours. Yeah, that's, that's uh, wild. But, but I, I went into that round thinking that I am going to get, because Coronal, of course, held the record before then, and I was like, I'm taking that record off. <laughs> I went into that round with the sole intention of getting as many hours as possible. So my entire Dominion was geared for guilds to improve refresh rate. Uh, I had an insane wizard ratio. I had all the text to, to make it help. You know, so I was really maximizing the amount of hours I could get there. But if you did that with fireballs, something similar, I think you could probably maybe hit the, the half million mark. I think so. And and speaking of ratios, it's worth pointing out my offensive wizard ratio was only about 2.0 for most of the round. Yeah. I, I, I didn't stunned. go super I didn't go super wild. I had I, I used the wizard hero and because I was fighting for most spy successes early on too, kind of ran up the uh I ended up finishing like 300 experience away from hitting level 12. So I got like a 22% boost there. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't run that many wizards. It didn't take that much to get to this much. If you really went crazy on ratios, you could have a higher success and, and really do a lot. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, uh, I think we're on to the final award of, of the awards ceremony here. Uh, it just, just popped up in front of me. It's the awards award. Of course, we had the <laughs> the awards award for last round was Eric's because he had the most ones. So there was there must be one this time. So who's picked him for the awards award? I think we know. Yeah, of course. Uh, we we've seen him. We've seen the man, the legend, come by so many times. Of course, it is Zuge with four awards. Congratulations, Zuge! You've uh, you've done a, a fair sweep of the awards this time around. <laughs> So, I mean, that's that. That might be difficult to beat four awards in one round. Well, especially with truly the, a legend, with the oddball well, ones, the, uh, because the whole the tab is also called oddities, right? So I guess that's what the uh, what this yeah the strange awards. Yeah. Yep. To uh, I d I did wanted to add something. I did want to uh, just take a look also at the round thirty things. Uh, so the breakdown of the round thirty six um, rush uh, rankings, because. Yep. There's some interesting uh, things there as well because Volve, uh, you had the perfect ten on Fireball because uh, just to uh, for the current weightings, uh, Mastery can get you twenty points total, a maximum. Ops can get you twenty points, uh, Theft fifteen, uh, Black Ops twenty, Assassination fifteen, and like I said, Fireball ten. So for a total of potential total of uh, one hundred, and uh, so, which means if you get a perfect score in it, you were the winner in. Every sort of sub-category in it. Now, of course, Valve, you were the uh, winner in the Fireball round, so you sort of take away the highest Fireball score with the perfect 10. Uh, and that's, of course, because we specifically designed the Fireball category to stand on its own. So if you win the Fireball category, you get a perfect 10 for it. So, Which, as it should be, of course, right? We're Black Operas after yes, all. Yes, of course. <laughs> as, as it I don't know. I, I have... I have heard some grumbling that there's too many points associated with that one, so we might have to look at it and, and have no, a chat. But <laughs> that is... it certainly it certainly has a sort of PR appeal to it. You get ten for fireballs. There's yeah, this it, this complaints that it's worth too much sounds like Forest Haven enthusiasts talk to me. <laughs> Yeah, because fire, fire havens, uh, forest havens are so broken. I mean, I'll be willing to negotiate if forest havens get changed, but otherwise, then uh, yeah, 
I think we should keep our foot down there. The other, the second, because uh, maybe to to look at the sort of the top ten. So the tech, the second spot uh, was uh, for Pony, and uh, he also takes away the perfect mastery score with twenty, which means that both for spy mastery and for wizard mastery are the highest score. And so congratulations with that for Pony, because you got that very uh, well done. Uh, then, uh, yeah, sorry. Oh, I was going to say that right there is really illustrative of the difference between uh, doing what I was doing, where you're throwing a lot of black ops out at whoever you're at war with versus doing a lot of black ops against other people who are in the shadow. Because I would get like fireballs and snares and things throughout the round from four pony. Uh, and I wasn't really targeting people in the Shadow League too much. So because they're going after people who have already built up mastery from black oping other people, uh, all of their ops are building up mastery really fast. So you can get the big like peasant kill totals by shooting at innocent bystander explorers, but you get the big mastery totals by shooting at other people who are also yeah, that's uh, but also for the uh, for I mean you get mastery for many things, right? So there's there's many things that score you mastery. So it's a pretty broad category in that sense. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. I just, I just mean in terms of like optimizing. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you, you should have been getting quite a lot of mastery for all the wars you were involved, but it seems like just joining the Shadow League seems to be the better yeah option. Uh, there's of course a reason why Evolve ended up in the first place because he also has like eleven points in mastery, uh, which is relatively high. 12 points in ops which is also he sort of so that the categories do show that uh volve wasn't just fireballing right there was other stuff i mean a 12 points of a total 20 in ops does mean that volve did a quite a ton of ops for his uh, realm as well uh for uh, like half of the round there was a battle between me and evil monkey and nine for the most successful spies someone made a comment at some point about how like last round the most successful spies had like 1700 and this round they one guy's got like 3000 it was sort of a result of that two of us who both had gotten techs and things for refresh rates and were really just like foaming uh spy ops on everything and never wasting a single point of of strength and at the halfway point the two of us were like 800 successful ops in front of the next people and i just got exhausted trying to keep that up and I was, it kept me from using spies for anything that would get mastery because you have to stay on ops if you want most successes in a battle like that. Yeah. So I ended up just kind of letting him run off with it. But I still ended up with like 2,700 successful spy ops uh, because I was kind of the main spy op getter from my realm and was just keeping tabs on it all throughout the round. Are these, um, are, these, are these ops all useful or were you just spamming ops on somebody uh, sometimes? I never, I didn't, I never just like sat and just like, okay, castle spy, castle spy, castle spy on this guy. A lot of times what I would do is uh, I would comb through every, uh, every hit in the town prior I would get full ops on. Uh, and every day or so I would go through the top dominions and just go through and get ops on everyone just to kind of keep track of what all the top people were doing. Mm. So it was, and and then, you know, save a certain amount of strength around for if people are like asking for ops to make hits and stuff, because at the, like I said, at the start of the round, uh, we had two explorers in our realm. Everyone else was in the town. So there was a lot of just ops getting too. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense indeed. So, uh, but so going through it, so the, the ops, like the top ops was by Greycorn. 
who also had fifth spot overall. And I think so, he was Evil Monkey in that. Yeah. And uh, and then, uh, let's see, a bit further down, there's Neophyte, who took away the top score for Assassination, which was relatively low. I'd say it took, uh, was uh, about six points out of a total of 15 was the top. Uh, he he did the day. He was in our realm and was one of those guys who he was a, a nomad who started out attacking and then deconverted into blops. So for the first several wars, he wasn't really involved. By the end, he was had a ton of assassinations and he ended up winning uh, the most lightning bolt. Oh, uh, but he he only kind of deconverted into blops partway through the round. Uh, indeed. And I think, and then a bit lower down, there is uh, Chalu, Chasu, who had the most theft, also about six, uh, six points, or yeah, a bit, a bit over five points. There, I don't think I had a feeling that there, this round, there wasn't that much of stealing. Could that be the case? I had a feeling that other rounds there was more stealing going. Could be a personal thing in my realm. I didn't really feel like I had any theft against me. And my, my spy ratio wasn't amazing this round. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the same for me. That's yeah, same. yeah, same. I, I really didn't either. But I was a blobs guy, so I kind of figured people weren't going to target me anyway. And so finally, of course, I mean, um, I really wanted to, again, uh, uh, the man, the legend, Cronel, uh, wants to make sure that we also have a shout out to him because he takes away the top sport for Black Ops rank rating with, with a 9.5. And he definitely outclasses everybody else. I think the next person has six, no, seven points or so. So, yeah, the the swarm round did its thing. He got the black ops ranking for because of it. Yeah, I, I know he won that by a mile this round. The the swarm category. So we had uh, one person, no, two people finished third and fourth respectively, who didn't win any category. So we had Dark Towers and uh, Robert. Yeah, you can see the yeah. directors because they, they sort of have general overall good scores. So good, good yeah. team players. There. Well, and Robert was one of those guys that was on that list I just read off of 200,000 plus fireball kills. He had like the sixth most fireball damage of all time this round. So he did a lot of fireball. Yeah. And so he also has a relatively high score so like with, with 6.7. So yeah, that's he, he didn't get that perfect 10 because if you you outclassed him, otherwise he would have been higher. So that's also one of the things of the rush rankings. In that sense, they're a bit relative. So if you have a competitor who did very well compared to you, that your your score gets pushed down a bit. So in that sense, it does you can influence other people's scores at the end by being very good at it. So, All yeah. right, then. Um, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that this podcast is called Rush Hour and not Rush Two Hours. So <laughs> <laughs> we've we've covered quite a lot of ground in these in the last well, probably an hour and a half by the time the edit goes through. Um, is there anything you guys wanted to add before we wrap up, Valvendes? Is there anything you want to talk about that you haven't had a chance to discuss? Um, I mean, not not really. This was kind of a, a kickback round for me, so hanging out and fireballing and just kind of doing what I did was all I really wanted. So I, I would just say my, my one final thing is I'm taking next round off, but when I come back in round 38, I want to have to retake that fireball record. Get on it, guys. Burn peasants to death. <laughs> uh, so Colonel's got one round to, to do his flex. We'll see where it goes. Uh, Rio, um, there's there's been no Real Talk podcast uh, this weekend uh, are you guys planning on putting something out for the end of the round or what's happening yeah so so just to 
on that, we, we had plans to have um, a couple people from from the Realm World 11 come on. Uh, we usually record on Friday, but they just didn't show up. So uh, we, we stuck around for a little while, and uh, I don't know if they, they want to blame scheduling conflicts or, or what, but we uh, we had it all intention to uh, to do it, but they just uh, they didn't show. So no no podcast this weekend. So maybe we'll uh, pick up a new one just for the, the sprint round instead. And that's starting this weekend. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, no no wrap up for the round. Else you want to bring in? Just uh, yeah, I guess a couple like one one kind of takeaway is because obviously the three of us played together this round, and we we kind of combined a bit of black opping and uh, and attacking as well, which uh, I thought worked really quite nicely. Um, it's definitely interesting when you have a few like explorers at top that are willing to black up. Um, because we really kind of like put the reins on um, some of the fast attackers, well not the fast, like, I guess the medium speed attackers. Whereas the lower people down, like round round three, they were only really targeted the slow attackers. So I thought it was quite interesting that we tried this out, and, and it seemed to work. So it'd be interesting to see if other people um, do that going forward. And then the other thing that I just noticed is we were talking about crazy elves uh, bouncing three people. I looked back on the town cry for the day and, and it looks like two of them basically just attacked at the same time as someone else. So the first attack went through, they attacked 10 seconds later and, and bounced. And that happened two times in the, in the space of a few minutes. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> so you, you'd think it would make it easier for them to hit him, but he was, uh, he was, um, he would have taken losses, right? So, yeah, he would have, but when once he's been hit before, his, his wall percentage will go up, or you know, if he had barren land, then his uh, GT percentage might go up as well. So either of those. His defense things, should have yeah. actually increased, is what you're saying, rather than decreased. Yeah, once you've been hit a few times, that, that's often the case. So um, that looks like what happened to two people within, see, I think within about 20 seconds of each other. Fortunate. Yeah, ouch for them. And AGFX, anything you wanted to jump in with before we end? No. Um, I think, uh, well, again, uh, for those people who stuck it out with us, maybe thanks for that, uh, if you're still around. So that would be uh, that would be one. And the other, I think, um, what I also thought was very interesting is sort of that, that economic style of Blopper. I hope we promote in terms of like sticking around. I think you were very large, st- kept in range. Uh, and I think uh, we would hope to promote that um, with other players to see if you can get that challenge going of being a black opper and at the same time staying in range of the largest dom so you can affect them and i think that's uh it's an interesting challenge and i would propose it to anyone to try yeah it's it's really not the easiest thing to pull off um when you've constantly got top op breathing down your neck you know you're, you're having to war the really scary people <laughs> it's not it's uh it's a tight rope but it's one i enjoy walking and uh, it's definitely more rewarding going after the players that are really sort of influencing and dominating the game than just targeting random people, in my view. Um, although it's, it does sound fun, like doing what you do, Volve, occasionally, and just having an off round and, and fireballing the shit out of anybody with a high pop. It, it was a, a fa- an absolutely fantastic blow off steam kind of round. I can't recommend it enough. <laughs> All right, and for me, um, j- just a, a serious note, I suppose, because I had a pretty rough round just from a, a personal perspective. I've been dealing a lot with long COVID um, and it has been rough. And I just wanted to shout out to the guys in my pack. So Rio, AGFX, Zeddy Jar, 
on Father, and a few people in the community like Grapes of Math, Murph, and Oceanu as well, who just really just sort of helped make this a lot easier on me by just because OD became a bit of a safe haven for me while I was going through all that shit. So just sincerely thank you to you guys for being you and uh, and, and helping demonstrate what an awesome community we've got here. Um, I really can't fault it. I think we've got some of the best people uh, that I've seen in any gaming community. So um, just thank you from from me for that. We're glad you're still with us. Yeah, <laughs> touch and go there for a little bit, but yeah, still here, still here to yeah, fireball you guys yeah. next round. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all right. To well, you've been going through all that. That's rough. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been garbage. I wouldn't recommend it. Zero out of ten. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much, Volvendies and Rio, for coming on the podcast and and sharing with us your insights and your wisdom. Oh, my absolute pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And uh, everybody else, watch out for fireballs. We'll catch you next round. Indeed. And fuck Forest Havens. Yeah, fuck Forest Havens. So there All you right. go. I, I, yeah, that brings us to the end. I think that was a pretty good one. Uh, yeah, I, I thought so. I had fun. I hope I didn't ramble too much when I got into my big, long story about our, our wars over there. Funny, funny how literally every guest says that at the end. Everyone. No, we want, we want guests to talk. That's the <laughs> so point a of a guest? <laughs> yeah. no, no, you did great. It was really, really entertaining listening to that. So thank you very much. Oh, I'm glad. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I was happy to explain that at least a few of our wars did have some thought behind them. Yeah, because a lot of people will have been wondering, like, what the fuck was going on there? But it's, it's also yeah. gratifying to learn that some of them were just random. Yeah, well, and, and like I said, you know, on there. Rush out.